Welcome. You're listening to Season 2 of But Seriously, What is Engineering? A podcast series from the University of Queensland where we explore all corners of engineering. We'll be covering a range of specialisations and exciting engineering careers through our special guests with an aim to open your eyes to just one more part of the wide world of engineering by the time this episode is finished. Spoiler alert, it's not just about bridges and buildings. This episode is hosted by two of the University of Queensland's Women in Engineering student leaders. I'm Christy, I'm in my final year of civil engineering with a dual degree in commerce majoring in finance management. I'm Lizzie and I'm in my fourth year of a dual major in civil and geotechnical engineering. Today, we are so excited to be introducing you to Felicity Fury. Named Boss Magazine's Young Executive of the Year and one of AFR's 100 Women of Influence at just 26 years of age, Felicity has led multi-million dollar engineering projects, founded several successful businesses such as We Aspire, Power of Engineering and Mackinam, and secured partnerships with Qantas, Toyota and Energy Australia. With experience in helping develop smart cities, Felicity now works with high-performing teams to give leaders the skills they need to ignite new possibilities in business, education and STEM. Felicity co-founded Power of Engineering in 2012 after realising the lack of diversity in engineering, an organisation that has inspired over 12,500 Year 9 and 10 high school students across Australia about diverse, creative and innovative engineering careers. This is achieved through running one-day events across Australia. We Aspire helps organisations enhance their emerging leadership program and supports emerging leaders to be confident and ready to lead. Felicity has inspired over 20,000 leaders globally and through We Aspire has developed immersive, high-impact leadership programs for emerging leaders. Seven out of ten leaders felt more confident about being a leader after just one day of immersive training. What an incredible career you've had so far. Welcome to the podcast, Felicity. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. You had us at Boss Magazine's Young Executive of the Year and one of AFR's 100 Women of Influence at just 26 years of age. That is seriously something to aspire to. Thank you. It's certainly something I never expected to do (laughs) in my career and, yeah, certainly a surprise for me as well. As we always do on this podcast, we'd love to hear about what it was that made you consider a career in engineering. Great question. I had never heard about engineering until year 12 of high school. So my mum studied visual art, my dad was a journalist, and I really had no idea what I wanted to do when I finished school. I thought maybe I would do art because I loved art and photography at school so much, and I really loved being creative. And I chose subjects like history, biology, maths, English, and really didn't know with that combination what I could do after school. And thankfully I had an amazing physics teacher, Mr. Adamson at Hallows School right here in Brisbane. And he was the first one that talked about engineering to me. And at first I thought engineers have to be super smart. You've got to get straight A's. And I think engineers do calculations all day. And I thought that kind of sounds a bit boring and engineering is probably not for me. But that kind of sparked a curiosity about what it could be like since I didn't really know about what it was at all. 
So I put engineering as my fifth preference. I actually had arts and then science before engineering because I thought engineering would be too hard. And then as luck would have it, my marks got me into engineering. So I thought, oh, well, well, I cried first. And then I thought, oh, well, I may as well give it a go seeing as I've got in. So it was a little bit by accident that I got into engineering at university. What was it like being named in AFR's 100 Women of Influence? It was so incredible. It was nothing that I ever expected would happen. My mentor actually suggested that I apply for the award and I thought, me, what have I done? I don't really think I've accomplished that much in my career. And it was at the end of the first year that we'd been running Power of Engineering. So we'd done about 10 events across Queensland and we were really kind of testing out this idea of could we get more young females and regional students excited about engineering. So yeah, I gave it a go and it was so incredible to be named uh, in those 100 women. And it was really something that motivated me to keep going with the venture, with Power of Engineering and also start other businesses. So I think it really surprised me that I could get something like that and also gave me so much encouragement to keep going with something that was quite challenging. So Power of Engineering aims to shape a diverse engineering workforce through practical and creative experiences, providing opportunities for young people to better understand engineering and how it impacts our world. Could you tell us a bit more about this? There are so many different types of engineering. There's actually over 30 different types. And I think as a young person, you often don't see the engineering that's around us. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, have a look at what's around you. Maybe you're on a bus and you're looking out the window or you're in a room or a building. Literally everything you see around you, an engineer had a, had play, has played a part, whether it's you know the paint on the walls and the chemistry behind that or how the building stands up or how your bus is moving. And so I think we don't really see engineering, it's quite hidden. So what we wanna do is showcase the variety of different engineering types. And I like to think about it as if you wanna go change the world and you wanna have a, a big impact, engineering is a way to do that because there's all these building blocks that we have in our world are engineering. And so you get to really shape the world around you. So I think showing the variety, the real world application of engineering and what could be possible with this kind of career is something that we wanna instill with year nine and 10 students as they're making those decisions around subject selection but really anyone, because engineering is really important in our world. We want to showcase that for people. That's fantastic. So since you've undertaken this venture, have you actually come across a new type of engineering that you'd never heard of before that you actually find very interesting? Oh, so many types, actually. One of the coolest things we got to do was tour the A380 hangar at Qantas in Sydney, and we got to see behind the scenes of the A380 and how they changed the tyres and even the engines. So to a fun engineering fact. Uh, the engines actually, um, icicles can form on them because of the way that, the, where the, I don't even know the science behind it, but how, wherever it flies, icicles can form on the engine. And so they came up with all these super fancy things like we'll have this sleeve that sits over it to, to warm the engine. We'll use uh, the heat in the engine to have all these oil pipes going around, really expensive solutions. And then Rolls-Royce said, okay, we've got like a 20 pound um, or $20 little rubber tip that we're gonna stick on the, the pointy bit of the engine and it will vibrate so ice can't form. That is so simple. So I think a lot of engineering can actually be quite simple and not really complicated. So I've learned a lot about aviation through power of engineering. I just love going on all the site tours. And yeah, there's things like food engineering, like engineers design how chocolate is made sometimes and what's the you know best melting point for chocolate to make it taste really 
incredible. So I've learned heaps and heaps about different types of engineering. There's just so many. You mentioned earlier that you'd founded several businesses. I was wondering what sort of your career progression looked like from when you left uni and how I suppose your career led you to founding businesses? Did you start working for a company and then decided that, no, I actually wanna go off on my own? Yeah, so it started also by accident actually. And again, that I wanted to make a difference. So at the time I started the first organization, Power of Engineering, I was 25, I was working. I'd actually just started working at ACOM. I'd had two previous roles. I'd been a structural engineer and then a project manager for road projects at Brisbane City Council. And in those roles, I noticed that there were still not many women. And I thought, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to go do something. What's something that I could do? I could be like my teacher who inspired me. I could put on events. So that started the idea of a business. And I didn't really think of it as a business or think of myself as an entrepreneur. And then I did a program called Young Social Pioneers. And I went, oh, okay, social entrepreneurship is a thing. It's actually kind of business, okay, I'd never thought about myself being in business. But again, like engineering, I got to see business can make a huge impact and make a lot of change in the world. And so that started me on this journey, I think of a kind of a parallel pathway. So doing my engineering job by day and then business by night. And since 2015, I've worked um, four days a week or a reduced workload in my day job. I've taken 12 months off to focus on my business full time. And yeah, started my most recent business while I was on parental leave, which was a bit unexpected as well. So I've kind of had it as a sort of side hustle. But what I found to be really cool is that I can bring in so much knowledge from my business world into my day job as an engineer and make it really creative. As I'm sure you've seen with your double degree, learning both those things can actually quite complement each other. Yeah, definitely. Could you tell us a little bit more about your newest business that you have started? Yeah, so we Aspire, we started it in 2020. And what we've been working on previously was around getting diverse people into engineering. And we also saw this gap of really incredible emerging leaders um, that weren't quite getting supported on their career journey. So I think often you'll go into the workplace, you'll have a graduate program, and then there's a bit of a gap from there into, okay, I wanna go into a leadership role, but I don't know how to get there. And as you probably know, there's also a, um, a lot of leaders in our workplaces that aren't diverse and don't represent everybody. So we thought, can we help some of those emerging leaders accelerate that pathway and also create that diverse leadership, which is a good thing for all of us. So that sparked the idea. And we've since run really in-depth 12-month program and, really, and piloted that with six emerging leaders in STEM. So we actually really did get to help accelerate their career. And we also do other programs like one-off immersive days where they actually get to be a leader of a company and they um, get to experience what it could be like to be a leader. So it's super fun and I think we can make a really big change actually in STEM uh, by supporting leaders and getting that diversity in the places where we need it most. I suppose uh, in the engineering world it still is a little bit male dominated so for women who are in similar situations who are looking to climb that ladder and may still be a little bit I suppose apprehensive about they only see uh, men above them what would be some advice you would give to women in those situations? I found it really challenging when I started my career actually and very intimidating. I actually went to an all-girls school and then when I worked to my, went to my first engineering class I went oh my gosh I heard there weren't that many women but I didn't realize it was that bad. 
So I had 12 out of 120 females in my class. So it was 10% for me. I know it's better now. I think like UQ is like 26% or something. So yep. you guys are nailing it. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like very, it felt very intimidated and out of place. And so I think a big thing for me was actually, I didn't know what my strengths were and I didn't really know how I could communicate that in a way to people that showed that they were valuable. So I think often in engineering, things that get valued are your ability to be detail focused, do calculations, and they're not my strength. I'm actually terrible at detail. My husband was just telling me this morning, I would not give you a bridge to design because you're gonna miss something. And I really thought to be a good engineer, you had to be like that. Now, we definitely need engineers who are good with detail and who are great with the calculation side of things. It's just not my strength. So. I had to figure out, okay, how do I communicate those strengths in a way that's gonna add value to a project? So for me, it's much more around communication, leading people and bringing teams together, which is definitely a needed skill on our big complex multidisciplinary projects. So I really had to own my strengths and I realized, it took me about five years into my career to realize this, that I did have things that were valuable and that I could share with people. And I think I learned that through starting Power of Engineering because it did end up being more successful than I ever expected. And I thought maybe there are some skills that I can really contribute. So I think if there are people who are in that situation where you feel like you're the odd one out, I think that's actually a good thing. And you need to figure out what are your strengths? How can you really own that and then communicate that value? And that takes a huge amount of courage to do that as well. Not easy. You mentioned that it was like a little bit of an adjustment coming from an all girls school into university. Uh, was there anything that you wish you'd done in high school to make that transition easier? I really had no idea about engineering and so I think that had me feel more out of place is that it kind of seems silly that I didn't do that much research on it and I really should have looked into it more and it took me until my second year to realise why I was there and that was because I got to see engineers build the world around us. This is really cool and I found the maths really hard. I failed my maths in first year uni and I wish at high school I had been more connected to that why or that purpose of why I was enrolling in that course in the first place. So yeah, in hindsight, I would definitely have a bit of a moment to pause and stop and really think about that choice, which is also really hard to do when you've got hard exams that you're trying to get through um, and figure that out. So I think, um, yeah, in, if looking back, I would have focused on my strengths and figured out what I can do in engineering to align with my strengths but also figure out why am I here in the first place? Why am I choosing to enrol in this? Um, and that would have given me so much more motivation at uni. Another quick follow-up question on that is, what did you actually study at university? Did you only study engineering or did you also study business? And now that you've started your own businesses, do you wish that you had maybe done more business subjects? Yeah, so I did a civil engineering degree. So it could have been civil structural. So it was a bit pretty broad civil engineering degree. Um, and it was, I did it in four years. And I did one business subject actually. It was called, I think, people, organization and structures. And not structures like engineering structures, which I first thought it was. <laughs> they were talking about how is an organization structured. And I actually found it quite hard. I think I failed my first assignment because I didn't reference properly or something like that. And it was quite funny because I thought, oh, engineering subjects seemed more challenging, but I, it was a totally different context. So it was so helpful to do something that was quite outside of my degree. 
all the business stuff I've done, I've pretty much like I've learned on the job, learned from mentors, learned by making lots and lots of mistakes mainly. Um, you learn more from your mistakes. So in hindsight, again, I think I wish it, I'd done something in business just to give me a bit of a different perspective and some more framing around that. Having an engineering degree is so powerful because it gives you a foundation to solve problems. And that's really, I think, a lot of what business is. It's like creative, being creative and solving problems. And I think that actually really helps me in my business world. What does diversity in engineering mean to you? And what sort of change have you seen from when you first entered to what it is now? For me, diversity is more around how you think and diverse thinking, and it's hard to see how people think without actually having conversations. So we could have a lot of women, but then if we have lots of women that are all thinking the same way or from the same cultural background, we're not going to get that diverse perspective of thought. So I think it's beyond um, you know what you look like, of course. It's around that thinking, so it's around diverse thinking. And I was even speaking with a construction company last week, and they were saying, we have very similar ways of thinking in construction um, in their organisation for a particular role because that's just what they perceive that role to be. So we often get a lot more of the same, hiring the same people. So for me, diversity is around diverse thinking. And it could be having someone who knows about business going and doing engineering because you're going to think differently compared to someone who's done straight engineering. There has been lots of change, which is super exciting to see when I started. I graduated in 2007, so there's been a lot of change over that time, so nearly 15 years. And you know, looking at those numbers around, it was like 10% of, of women um, in university. It's now that sort of 26%. I think we're seeing pockets of progress. I don't think we're really there yet. There's still a lot more that we can do. But I think things like flexible working, like I work pretty much remotely for what I do um, in my day job as well as with my businesses. And I think there's so much more appetite for that. And that's awesome because I get to see my family and hang out with my two-year-old and my husband and have more of that lifestyle. And I think that's what the millennial generation is really wanting. It's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration. How can I integrate my work with the things that are important to me? So I think that's really cool to see that we're getting that change. I think diversity also means that flexibility and organisations are more on board with that, particularly as a result of COVID. Would you say that engineering is a degree that more sets you up, that you don't necessarily have to stay in engineering? You could go like into a business environment, into a completely different leadership role. It more teaches you, I suppose, how to think. Would you say that was more what the degree was aimed at? Absolutely. And I talk about this with my husband. He did applied science, so he did a geography degree and he's done a lot of things in business and had all kinds of different pieces of, of you know, paths on his career. And in our business, he's the only non-engineer, which is quite funny because we didn't even, I think I don't realise how engineers think until you work with someone who's a non-engineer and it's so valuable. And I think engineers really undersell that part about that training that you get. So I think no matter where you want to go, I feel like everyone should do an engineering degree just because of that way of thinking. And it's been invaluable for everything that I've wanted to do, even like parenting stuff, you know, or business. It's, there's always something where it's a problem or a basic thing like my physics teacher taught was write down everything you know, everything you don't know, and then what's the first easiest thing to solve for? And I use that in business. It's like, what do we know? What are we trying to work out? What's the first kind of hypothesis that I can test in my business with customers, clients, or a business model or something like that? So yeah, it's good. My husband said, I think our son should do an engineering degree. I'm like, yes, that's good. I've convinced him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very biased and I think everyone should do engineering just because of that foundation that you get 
and it's just to follow up as well on your point around the different career paths. So I think I've had eight or nine jobs now. I've started four businesses. There's lots of different things that I've done with it. And I only graduated 15 years ago. So that's been a huge, you know, awakening for me that you can do so many different things. And if you don't like it, you can just change your mind. There's so many options with an engineering career. So you mentioned that you'd had several different jobs in that period of time, which is really interesting. How did you find the transition between those jobs? Because I feel like a lot of young people are really afraid that they're going to be stuck doing one thing for the rest of their life and that it would be difficult to change direction. So how did you maybe manage that and what are some tips and tricks that you have mm. for it? I think generally I get bored or annoyed and that's what has me change. My first job, I was a structural engineer and I actually got made redundant. So it was during the global financial crisis. So that was, I guess, not by choice, but I'm so glad it happened because I would have been terrible in that job and I actually didn't really like it. So I think for me, I'm always looking at where am I going in like five to 10 years? What's kind of the bigger goal? And if you know where the long-term goal is going or have an idea about it, then you can make decisions now. And most of the time, that bigger picture long-term goal for me actually changes. I don't end up being there, but whatever I've figured out along the way helps me with that direction. So a lot of the roles I looked at, I was in the role, say, when I was at ACOM in the water resources team. So I've been brought in because I knew things about project management, not because I knew things about water resources. And I looked around and I thought, cool, if I'm gonna be as good as my colleagues in water resources, I'm probably gonna have to spend five to six years doing some modeling. Again, detail, not my thing. So I thought, okay, how could I progress my career without doing kind of that piece? So I actually found a different role within AECOM and I was working in the infrastructure advisory team, which was a much more consulting based approach and again could use that people, those people skills that I had. So I think it's about looking at where do you want to go, what are your skills and the, I guess I'm like not settling for I have to do this role or I have to get this experience. There's lots of creative pathways. So I feel like it's a quite ambiguous answer in the sense of um, trying to figure out what you want to do. But I'd say don't be afraid to change. And it's you can undo lots of mistakes, like quitting my job, which was like, you know, dream company. I was working at Arab to run my business. And then that didn't go as I expected. So I went back to engineering and it was fine. Like I actually found it quite easy to find a job. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, even though I feel like it was a bit of a failure, my business not going how I anticipated. Changing jobs and starting your own businesses obviously take a lot of courage. Was there a mentor or someone you looked up to or someone who inspired you to do this? So many mentors, so many. And that's been a really important part of my career plan is having those sounding boards. And there are some really incredible people that come to mind who are CEOs of engineering companies or the former CEO of Energy Australia. I caught up with her a few weeks ago. We're still in touch, even though she's not in that role. And yeah, just even that encouragement, like you could do it. She was the one who said to me, power of engineering after one event could be a national organisation. And I thought, oh my gosh, wow. I think the key thing with mentors is really um, taking their advice and following through of, I tried it, it didn't work, or I tried it, it did work. Hey, can we catch up again? And rather than going in with a kind of, oh, hey, can we just have a chat? Go, here's where I wanna go, here's what I wanna do. But they've been so helpful at pointing me in the right direction. Um, yeah, I'm constantly asking them for help. And that's been, I think, a really important part of my career. So obviously there's a lot of value in having mentors, but how did you find these mentors? Did you just meet them at industry events or did you know them already? Like, how do you come across people like that? Unexpectedly, 
a lot of different ways. Again, I would have thought, yes, go like my logic brain is like, okay, meet mentors, do this, go to events, like that kind of thing. And I have met some through that way. One of them, the engineer, sorry, the um, Energy Australia CEO actually was through a graduate at her company. And I would never have expected that I would meet someone this way. So I think a big thing was that I had an idea and I made it happen. So if you've got an idea about something, go make it happen. And it's like a magnet for mentors. So I mentioned this to a graduate at her company. She was um, this exec director, I think, of um, uh, QGC at the time I met her. So I was sharing that I was passionate about diversity and that I'd done this event. I had this idea about getting more diversity into engineering. We're sharing with a friend of a friend who was a graduate engineer. And he said, I think our executive director would be really interested in this. And I thought, she's not going to care that little old me who's done this one little thing. And he said, no, no, I'll send her an email, get a re reply. Yes, it would be great to meet with you, like book in a time. So I'm madly Googling her before the meeting. And I went, oh my gosh, she's on the Reserve Bank of Australia. She is so impressive. This is incredible. And she's this big boss of this company. And I never would have thought that a graduate could you know, connect me with her. So it was actually a lot about sharing my passion, getting really clear on my strengths and, and what I wanted to do, and then having an idea and actually implementing it. Another mentor, he heard about me through Engineers Australia, and he reached out to me on LinkedIn. Turns out he was the CEO of Arup. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And he said, do you want to have a coffee? So there's been a whole range of different ways. But I think if you're someone who's thinking about, I want to get a mentor or someone to help support my career, think about what are you really passionate about and aligning your passion with their passion. Because what I found a lot of the time with mentors is they're, particularly if they're in senior roles, is that they don't have the time to implement some of these ideas, but you do. So as a young person starting out your career, you've got lots more time, energy, enthusiasm, and they might have networks. So it's actually a partnership when you're having those mentor, mentoring conversations where my mentors have connected me with their network and I'm that one going running around making things happen. So I'm actually helping them fulfill on something that's important to them, diversity and engineering, and it's actually more of a partnership than me getting something from them. Yeah, so you've mentioned that diversity really comes from the way we think in how we solve problems, but what does that actually mean to you and how has diversity influenced you specifically? There's this really interesting uh, Harvard Business Review study that looked at diverse teams and when diverse teams are put together, uh, they often have more arguments, take longer to work things out, but they actually have better outcomes. So I think often it can feel comfortable and safe to work with people that have familiar ways of thinking. So for me, it definitely has improved my business. And in our business, we have people from different cultural backgrounds, different genders. I mean, we are all engineers, so that's slightly biased to that undiverse way of thinking about things. Culturally diverse people, we need to have mix of genders, neurodiversity, like we have someone who's neurodiverse in our team, um, and indigenous people as well involved. And we have set targets. And because we have that, it makes us be more diverse, whether it's the leaders that we're showcasing at our events or in our training programs or our participants. It has to be front of mind because we think it's really important. I had a question. So for high school students listening to this podcast who are very unsure, as you were, uh, what to pursue, and they're thinking from maybe engineering, like she wasn't sure. Now look at what she's done. What is, say, three pieces of, of advice you would give to these students? I would say back yourself would be the first piece of advice and that if you're not sure if you can do it, if you really want it, you'll find a way. That definitely helped me um, because, yeah, like I said, I failed maths, I actually failed materials engineering and I 
dropped a subject my first three semesters. So I wasn't off to a very good start and I had to convince the head of school to let me do five subjects a semester or three semesters so I could, I wanted to finish with my friends in four years. And he said yes, which was great and very surprising. And I did it. And so I was quite surprised at what I could do. So I think backing yourself. Um, the first thing, the second thing would be get connected to your why, figure out why you're doing something because that's really gonna be a motivator for you. And does engineering fit within that why? So for me, it's around people being and doing things they didn't believe they could be or do. And that's a bit of a, that's a problem that I want to go solve and help people with. And so engineering thinking helps me do that and has helped me create things for, for all kinds of people. And then the third piece would be getting clear on your strengths and you can make them amazing and make them work wherever you want to. So is there a particular thing that you're really good at that you can see could contribute to the engineering profession? Is it solving something really tricky like a wicked problem or you know climate change or sustainability or any of the UN sustainable development goals can your strengths actually help some of those things so that's my that would be my advice it's really tricky there's oh there's so many different things but yeah we'll focus on those yeah so you said that an engineering degree gives you just broadly some fantastic skills and you shared with us some of the, like one of the skills that your physics teacher gave you. Were there any skills that you got from your degree specifically that you think are, an, are important or that you apply regularly? My engineering degree is part of who I am. It's part of my identity. I'm so, I shouldn't be this attached to it, but I am like, I'm an engineer. It's so important. My husband thinks I'm a bit crazy. It really is. It's almost like fundamental to who I am. And that quite surprises me because I had no idea what it was when I was in school and no idea I could relate to that kind of identity. So it's a really big part of who I am as a person. I think being a proud engineer, being also an entrepreneur or a business owner, that kind of thing as well. So I think in terms of skills, it's ability to solve problems would be a big one and ability to think of how things work in a system and think through all of the different steps. And as a simple example, I was helping host an event the other day and I thought, okay, we're gonna do this part of the event, which was doing like, um, what was it called? People's Choice Award. And I thought, oh, no one's actually thought through how we're gonna make that work. So I said to the event organizer, hey, I've got an idea. Can we do this? This is how I think we could make it work. And she said, oh, yes, you're right. We haven't actually worked out how we're going to do that. So it seems like such a small example, but it's that ability to kind of think through the different steps and think through a system that I feel like they're just essential skills for life, really. Yeah. yeah. So looking at the bigger picture is something that you've found to be really important. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing that I think I've found from my engineering degree and doing like vacation work as well is how you communicate with people and you've mentioned quite frequently that you know talking to people is a big part of your job are there any tips or tricks that you have for people to become more comfortable talking to others or communicating with other people if they would maybe identify as being shy yeah it can be really challenging and quite daunting I think especially if they're more senior people are more senior than you or it's a new role or you've never been in a workplace before even you've never been to university how do you have those conversations I actually would say role play is really powerful. It might seem silly, but if you think about someone who you're really comfortable with, it could be your best friend, it could be a parent or a sibling or a relative. I often have practice conversations with people or if I'm going to give a speech and I'm freaking out about it, I'll call my best mate. So one of them is Whitney and I'll go, Whitney, I just need to share with you everything that's on my mind, everything I'm freaking, about, freaking out about. Let it all out and go, okay, 
I'm ready for my speech. I can go do it. So I think having a lot of those you know, freak out moments. And for me, I love it. I really get a lot from articulating something that I'm challenged with with somebody else. That's how I solve problems is often talking through them. And so, yeah, doing something like that or role playing. So I've got a tricky conversation. I sometimes get people to role play as a negative response and then as a positive. So when you do that as a role play and it might be, hey, I've got this project idea and they're saying, no, that's terrible. That's a stupid idea. Like, why would you even think of that? And having this negative response, I notice I'm like fighting for my answer of like, yeah, no, it's a really good idea. And so that actually can give you that confidence in yourself. So lots of role playing and practice is my secret tip um, because conversation you know, in your head, what do they want from it? And can I meet them where they're at and being okay with where they're at? Oh, thank you for that. That's been really interesting. I've really enjoyed hearing everything you've had to say in this podcast. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast to stay up to date with our current episodes as they are released for season two. Thanks for listening.